Hello friends, Passing Dimes is over the moon to announce our new partnership with Betstamp. Betstamp is a mobile app in the sports betting space that shows you the odds from every sports book in one spot. Say you're like me and you find it more engaging to put $20 down on your favorite team. With Betstamp, you can compare the best available odds at one sports book versus the worst odds at another sports book all in one spot. Go to the App Store today and download Betstamp for free and use code DIMES. That's D-I-M-E-S. For more information or to learn more about Betstamp education sessions, where you can get an edge in online sports betting, message Passing Dimes on Instagram or Facebook accounts. Stay excellent, friends. Hello and welcome back to Sharp Cuts. My name is Garrett May alongside Josh Nickel. As always, welcome back to the show and... Dutiful listeners, I'm sorry to report to all of you that one of us has folded up incredibly this week and a streak has been ruined and I think we need to celebrate the the excellence for the time we had it, but it is gone. Josh Nickel was unable to secure an Olympian guest this week. You know, Josh, just how are you feeling after this momentous loss on your part? I feel great. We couldn't get an Olympian this week, but it's like pinch hitting Babe Ruth for Lou Gehrig right now. We couldn't go wrong. I went to the people we can trust, the fan favorites, and they might not be Olympians yet, Gary, but they are certainly the most popular guests we've ever had on Sharp Cuts. I'm so happy that Nolan and Pierce could rejoin the show, even though Melissa and Binstock were busy tonight and couldn't make the streak last one more week. <laughs> well, Pierce Johnson, Nolan Langley, welcome to back to the show, boys. Josh is being very nice to you guys saying your fan favorites. We don't know that. We just don't know. So, I mean, as far as we know, you could be. But And calling out immediately who was on the list ahead of you. So, I mean, not a lot of names. I will take it. I will take it. Thanks for having you back. One episode, though. I do remember. Oh, Pierce. This is not making me look good. Yeah, like, like oh. Josh, you're immediately getting buried. Our guests are immediately tuning out, shutting the episode off. <laughs> we got popcorn internet happening on both ends for these guys. Probably one of them's going to duck out. It's going to need editing on my part. Welcome to Shark Cuts, everybody. This is what you get. Why don't you hit that subscribe button? You know, comment down below. Let us know what you think. But uh, let's jump into it if we can. We don't even know if Pierce and Nolan are with us. But Josh and I are here because we got great internet and we're professionals. This is a professional show. So... Josh, we're going to talk about some results because uh, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but some stuff has happened. So just generally some results and how things are going. So it seems like there was a beach tournament that beaches kind of, I don't want to say started up because it's October, but we had a beach tournament. Um, what has started up, though, is kind of the U sports and college leagues here in Canada. So take us through where are we starting? Like what's happening? What should the people be aware of? So, Garrett, sometimes we give uh, the beach volleyball world, you know, the FIB, a hard time. But I think this is a smart philosophy. So Dubai is going to host two challengers in a row, which that's got to help lower the cost, right? You build the stadium once, like maybe like hotels are doubled now, but it's, it's over two events. So I think the expenses have got to be a little bit lower. But anyways, so the first one is completed. Uh, Megan and Nicole took a ninth and... Um, Coming through the qualifier, Garrett, uh, Ali McKay and Kate Wootney from BC, not a fit formerly with the, with the Canadian national team, like they don't train in Toronto, they're from Vancouver, uh, they're with the Beach Co., they qualified. And this is the second event they've qualified for this year, so it's cool to see another Canadian team coming out of the qualifier. Uh, 
they might be Canada four or five based on points right now. So it's good to see them doing well. Uh, Devin and Miriam couldn't get through the qualifier. So that was good on the women's side. Uh, the guys, unfortunately, we didn't have a team because uh, Jake and Alex, they, they didn't go. They were on the list, but they didn't go. So we'll have to get those guys on the show so they can, you know, explain themselves. But uh, like, no are they results. getting fined? They're getting fined. We can get them to explain that a little bit more, but uh, loyal listeners will know they were on the list and they did not play, so they did not check in. So, uh, so can we go? get them a sharp cuts specific fine for not showing <laughs> up? You're fined by sharp cuts, the exact cost that it takes to make a clown of the week shirt, which we will then give to you for not showing up to your. Like, can we organize that? I like that. Plus I like extra, where your mind's going. That's an extra fifty for new Wi-Fi for Pierce. Yeah, and actually, well, uh, that's not. It sounds like, from the sounds of things, it's just not going to cut it. So uh, we need a little bit more no budget. One. If we could implement a sharp oh. cuts fine, that would be excellent. Um, so yeah, okay. So great, no one, Canadians. I'm, oh, oh, hello. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm. Gonna, no, I'm just going to go and say Nolan's the one that's been cutting out the whole time. Every time he talks. So let's just let's not throw shade when uh, it's, it's it's your Wi-Fi. It's both of you guys. This is a professional talk show we're talking about here. We take things seriously. Josh and I have been fine this whole time. It's you two. All right? So figure it out over there. Get outside with the satellite or the antennas or whatever you need to do. Get this thing going. We're talking about results here. This is important stuff we're covering here, Josh. <laughs> so anyways, Garrett, the first one's over. The second one's coming up. Uh, I believe the women are still there. Megan and Nicole don't appear to be on the list anymore, but we still have some women's teams over there in Dubai. Hopefully uh, another good one where it's still a challenger, Garrett. I know the ones at the start of the season were maybe a little bit more stacked with a lot of teams that uh, maybe some beach teams have tailored off near the end of the season, but points are still up for grabs. Prize money's still the same, so excited to get some more Canadian results. That's awesome. Now, we have Pierce who is actually, like, he shows us up every time he comes on the show because he actually watches volleyball, follows volleyball, like, kind of does the work of a volleyball journalist and then just comes on the show and kind of dunks on us. So, Pierce, like, you know, as Canadians, we're not the best volleyball fans, okay? Let's be honest. All of us, generally, it's a bit of a theme for us. So what, like, can you narrow it down for us for what we should be excited about and trying to look and keep an eye on? For Canada volleyball? Well, I don't know. What, what anything we should care about. We should care about restructuring the entire program of Volleyball Canada. Yikes. That is a that is a deep cut. We're just getting started in this show. Holy, that's a sharp cut. Well, what is the average fan going to do about that? Nothing. <laughs> Abs- absolutely nothing. That's oh, this is a fan thing. This is a we need to not be the we need to not be the laughing stock of the volleyball world anymore. Well, hey, we just hit a quality. We're just trying to celebrate the good results here. But I like the sharp. It's called sharp cuts for a reason. We don't get enough sharp cuts here on the show. And Pierce is coming out swinging. I like it. I'm not. I'm not bashing on the athletes. I don't think there's anything the athletes can do from that point, or even the um, really the coaches can do from that point. It's it's administratively we need to make big changes and not have idiots making the huge decisions. Well. I mean, this, just so everybody knows, this show is not officially sanctioned by any governing body in volleyball. And I think we'll probably continue to be after this show. Pierce coming on immediately sucking us, trying to get us canceled here. Pierce, what are you talking about, man? Hey, I I love volleyball. I love being Canadian. But there's there's a disconnect of volleyball being ran in Canada. And you can tell that when you go to other countries. And yes... Volleyball is not our number one sport here. We we have hockey, we have lacrosse is huge here. We have everything else is is, is ahead of that. 
and we have other professional leagues. We have even even though soccer is not big here, we have the MLS here. We have other big professional leagues here, and I don't even know if we could sustain um, sustain sorry uh, an actual professional league. I don't think we could. There's just not the fan bases, but we need to do something to help our national teams out and put them in the right directive because um, we're we're getting killed when we go to these competitions against countries that actually care about the sport. Because you see it in any international, whether it's beach or indoor, it's Italy, Brazil, Japan, um, Poland. They're always doing well. And it's because their countries actually care about volleyball. So Pierce coming in with a staunch defense of Canadian volleyball fans, saying it's not their problem and they actually shouldn't be caring about any of this stuff. And we need to be organizing volleyball better in Canada. Interesting take early in an episode that didn't wasn't headed in this direction. Pierce taking it on, which, hey, not going to argue with you, but... Counter, I mean, this is a special time in certain areas for volleyball. Like, we've never had this many teams in Olympic competition for beach volleyball, not even close. Our women are good. We have a defend, we have a world championship quality team and a team who goes and gets second at the world championship. So of the, you know, however many different national teams we have, it's not like we're failing across the board. So let's give ourselves a little break here. No, for sure. Yeah, we're doing we're doing probably better than we should be doing honestly but again that's overachieving that's, nice that's that's because the athletes are doing <sighs> what they can i think we could do much better with what we could like we have if you think about it we have all three of our national team facilities in different locations in one of the biggest countries in the world where every other country has all three with their women's indoor men's indoor and beach all in the same location so they can train properly have a have all the income going to one facility instead of three spread out across the country. That is a very interesting point that I don't think we've ever had discussed on this show, Josh, is how we have each of those teams taking resources and splitting it in three different places across the country. That is an interesting thought. And I don't know, yeah, like, I don't know that there's a defense for that. The only thing I could think of is if you wanted to argue the other side, Garrett, would be... um maybe one province doesn't have enough funding to support all three. So maybe by can going to Quebec, Ontario and BC, you can go there. But uh, Pierce's point, yeah, I would love to just take my lunch tray and sit down and try to get Kira Van Rijk or Matthias Elster to the beach. And that would be awesome if we we're all in one place, Gary, you can start to like sway them a little bit. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's some, some value in that and keeping us together and sharing resources and volleyball players are pretty social people. They get along. So maybe there is a way to support that, but uh, I haven't thought about that either. That would be the only argument maybe is to, we each get provincial funding for being in the provinces we are and i don't even know that for a fact garrett yeah i mean i'm not sure that we're going to solve that discussion as um a non-volleyball administrator here a coach <laughs> and two former players players coaches whatever you guys are doing is like you know are we going to solve this maybe not but gosh man pierce you took a turn i mean the wi-fi cut out and you came in hot came is everything okay are you doing okay like are you all right yeah, no, I mean, hey, I'm living at home, but, like, other than that, I'm great. Oh, okay. Other than that. So that's the worst thing right now. <laughs> living at home. So basically, <laughs> Volleyball Canada is like the Windsor Lancers of the OUA. We're doing the most with the least, Garrett. I think that's what we're trying to say here. Are you, wait, you're going to give <laughs> the Windsor Lancers and these two guys credit for doing the most with the least. So saying that they actually had the least and overachieved. You hear that? He's chirping oh, you Oh, the Lancers, big overachievers. Big. We were punching above our weight class a little bit at times. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree with that statement. 
Oh, okay. Okay, then. I mean, good for Windsor Lancers and Volleyball Canada, I guess. Like, I mean, it's, it's a great thing, I guess. Punch it above your weight class. Let's go. Well, while I have you guys so fired up, gosh, like, we're, like, we said we were talking about results. We took it in a different direction. We're taking it again because I want to keep this intensity going. But we've got to administer a little bit of positivity first. So we got to go to everybody's favorite segment. Well, we actually, we, we haven't confirmed the fan favorite guest or the fan favorite segment. We only have one segment. So anyways, it's Players and Clowns of the Week. So, I mean, we got we, there's four of us on here, so we got a lot of them to cover. I mean, we're going to be naming a lot of people, a lot of places, potentially a lot of things. So we might as well jump into it. And I think I'm going to start today just to start off the positivity. Um, and because mine is just pretty standard, I think. I'm feeling pretty good about it. So I've been helping out with the Douglas men's volleyball uh, Douglas Royals men's volleyball college team here in BC. We had first weekend of action. The indoor team is starting. And you know what I like to see, Josh, is a first-year guy come in, start, and do well. Lack not super nervous, come in and do well. So my player of the week is Eli Woldring. And congrats, man, on a great match. Uh, goes out there, a couple of wins. First match in the league. Goes out, five-set win for the team, leading the team on the left side, and he left in, led the led the match in points um, and was uh, was pretty solid that match. So congrats to him. Did a great job. Starting us off, that's it for me. You guys you guys watch any of our games at all, or you, you just don't? Not even? I don't even know what your conference is called. <laughs> yeah, that's... I do. That's, I, I really, do that that's really supportive of you, Josh, and... Uh, Really, really nice of you to check out. Is it the Pack West? It's not something like that. Is it? You do know what it's called. See, there you go, buddy. So NCAA is the Pack 12. You guys are the Pack West. You might have one of the better uh, college logos. It's way better than the OCAA logo. I, I'll take ownership of it, but I really have. I'm probably the least qualified person to take ownership of anything happening in this league right now. It was my first game as well. So Player of the Week to me for getting a couple of wins on my first weekend as assistant coach, Josh. Did you no? You Depends what your role was. Was the assistant? Did you like pump some tires? What did you What did you exactly do, Garrett? Absolutely nothing. So yeah, I think like the sub cart, the the paddles for no, subs. We don't even, see, we don't even use the paddles. We talking. We, we no. need paddles for paddles are useless. <laughs> They're a waste of space. Clown of the week to substitution paddles. <laughs> That's not even my clown of the week. So that, I'm trying to bring positivity here. We're just taking it down into the gutter, boys. So I'm gonna throw it over to Josh. For your player of the week, keep this train rolling, buddy. So, Garrett, I'm going to give it to Benish Partain, who we're just in Dubai. They're they're an American uh, men's team. They won the Challenger. But uh, I received some messages that people think I was a little harsh on the U.S. development system. I'm only harsh on the U.S. women's indoor development system, where I didn't think they just make it up. I'm actually going to support the men's beach program and the women's beach program in the USA because you know what, Garrett? They have they have a pro tour, and it gives a reason for people to train full time and to get local sponsors and to go out and compete. And just when everyone thought, oh, the U.S. they just lost Phil and Jake, they finally they don't have any blockers they're still winning challengers with guys that we've never heard of until you see them play and then you go okay these guys are pretty good so banish is 27 partain's only 20 but like i said because they have the avp they have a reason to go compete and go do things and get local sponsors and it just it the the big machine just keeps rolling for them where we just don't have that in canada which might lead to you know pierce's comments later in the show i hope he stays spicy but uh, i'm gonna give it to the guys who want it but also to the u.s beach system because like i said i think it just pumps out players every cycle for them See, this is what I love about this show, is it really just gets down to the core of each of us, really. Even getting messages about people saying you're too harsh on the U.S. 
system. Yeah, people, people would love to discuss you? my my comments further, Garrett. I don't know if they're for or against, but I imagine if they're reaching out, it's because they do not agree. Because if they agreed, they would say, "Hey, great job." Now they're like, "Oh, I'd like to discuss this further with you." You know. I'd so. also like to confirm that you did call out the men's team for winning a bronze medal and losing in the semifinal, <laughs> and called out the whole system for them winning bronze. So not it's the not men, just the, the men. You, you did the men too. It was the first one. You did the men too. But great to see that you're not solely focused in your attacks, and you can you can praise the beach the beach teams. Good for you, Josh. USA, USA. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Good for you. I'm I'm shocked that people would just message you that. Like the opinions expressed by Josh Nickel on this show are the expressed of his only. And if you don't like anything he says, you should text him directly. Sometimes they're not even mine. Uh, and I would like to give a runner up to, we, we talked about uh, McKay qualifying and I think I mispronounced your last name, Garrett. So Katie, it's W-U-T-T-U-N-E-E. I think I called her Wootenie. I don't think that's how you say it, Garrett, but they're glad to see them qualify for a couple of events. Hopefully they keep the train going here as we enter the fall beach season. Wootenie, Whatney, Whatney. Yeah. Okay. Well, Josh will come on the show and explain how to say it properly. But anyways. Congrats to you. Player of the week for having a solid player of the week and actually bringing some positivity. All right, let's go over to Nolan. You got a a pal for the week? I do. I do. Uh, So the U Sports top 10 rankings just came out uh, yesterday, I believe. Took a a quick look at them. And uh, my player of the week is going to uh, the number one seed up there for that, uh, the Alberta Golden Bears. You know, been here in uh, around the league for a while and see the same teams up there. You know, you got your Trinities. And then for that that uh, long stretch, McMaster, Trinity bouncing back and forth. And it's nice to just see a new, a new face up there at the top. Are you absolutely kidding me, Nolan? It's nice to see a new face at the top of the top 10. With the Alberta Golden Bears. Yeah. Is this a joke? No. Man, they're they're a perennial contender. What are you talking about? Oh, no, they're underdogs. That. They're I, complete underdogs. I know, that, I know that they that they are gen like generally up there and they're always up there. I get that part, but to to go into a brand new season with them sitting up there at number one and it's not your Trinity and not, not your Mac and stuff like that, I'll give it to them for that. I thought you were going to come in and say Alberta Golden Bears because they're at the top of the rankings at one and one. They have a one and one record and they're the top ranked team in the country. Behind them is Trinity, who is two and oh. So you yep. must be really special to be number one in the top 10 with a loss already two matches into the season. So that's what I thought you were going to go for, but new face on the top. You just hate Trinity that much? Well, I mean, I lost to them in the national quarterfinal. Can you blame me? I, I can't blame you because I've never done that, actually. I've never actually <laughs> lost to Trinity in the national quarterfinal. So, yeah. A little vendetta is what I it is. I don't like how Laval is ranked behind Montreal. Montreal is six and Laval is in the nine spot. But if you guys paid attention, uh, Laval beat them. So I don't know what ELO rankings they're using, what coach vote, but again, the rankings are all made up. It's an absolute joke. Like, an absolute joke. How do you have rankings with teams with no record? Like, why do we even do a ranking before the first half is over? Like, what's the point? The preseason rankings? 
somebody spends time doing this. Yes. And also, just to, to go to go about this, uh, Mac is number four on the list, and U of T is number five on the list, and U of T just beat Mac in five the other day, like a couple days before this ranking came out. Yeah, preseason, it doesn't matter. I, I get that you got to respect the medalists, but Sherbrooke lost to Montreal, and they're still, they're 0-1, ranked third. This is, well, uh... preseason doesn't matter, but that's all that this ranking has to go on. <laughs> So it, what what matters if not preseason when there's a team zero and zero on the list, Josh? I'll take the zero and zero because it's Mac and okay, like they should be on the list. We can't exclude Ontario because they haven't started. There's a team zero and one ranked third, Garrett. <laughs> hey, better watch out for them though. They they've yet to get a win. They have only losses right now, but you know they're right where they've got everybody right where they want them. I guess. What what an absolute joke. So, hold on. This was a player of the week segment? Yeah. Yeah, it was it that's got to be the worst player of the week pick in <laughs> sharp cut history. I I got I just got to say that right now, Nolan. You're my best friend, but Oh, that's one, that's you, so pick one hard. you pick one you pick an entire an entire team for a player of the week. You know what? And it's, I think that there's about 15 guys that would say otherwise because they're pretty excited that they're my player of the week this week. Wait, are they excited that they're the top or are they excited that they're the player of the week named by Nolan Langley? Because they're not the same. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll go with option two. Well, hey, I mean, if, if anyone is actually excited about being named player of the week on Sharp Cuts... I mean, send Josh a message because apparently that's the only feedback we get on this show is direct text to Josh. So if you're on Alberta, text Josh and tell him you're thankful that Nolan named you in the player of the week. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and comment down below if that was the worst player of the week pick ever. That would would be a, a big berry though, Nolan, for that to actually pan out. So I apologize, but. I'll wear it. I'll wear it. It is what it is. We've had we're, we've had players of the week for less, but anyway. Well, let's go, Pierce. Put your money where your mouth is, and who is your player of the week? Yeah, mine's gonna be Stephen Marr, who's uh, playing in the Italian league for Monza this year. He, the team hadn't had a win all year. They go out and beat the defending champs, Lube Sotonova, three uh, zero at home, seven aces and three sets. So, new setter. That was the setter's first game there. So, that's he took over. Hard I mean, to do in that league. Congrats, Steve, on Player of the Week. Do you think Steve is excited to hear that? I hope so. I'm expecting a text. I've never met him, but I'm expecting a text. From okay, him. Steve, text, text Pierce and let him know you're thankful. But, I mean, see, Pierce, though, just he can back up the chirps, at least on this show, calls out you for a weak player of the week, then comes in with some knowledge, named the teams, an individual player for a great game, named a stat, seven aces in three sets, also brought in the history with that the team hadn't got a win all year and they get the big win against the defending champs. Like, that's a pretty glorious player of the week. I think my only critique, Pierce, is your delivery. Seems so matter of fact with how you express it, but that's a pretty impressive week for Steve, I think. And I'll work on that for next time. I appreciate the constructive feedback, though. And there will be a next time. Believe it, fans. These fan favorites will be back. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, these fan. okay. I guess if we call somebody a fan favorite, nobody's going to argue. Cause, like, somebody would have to argue with us because we don't know. So fan favorites. 
Um, okay, so that's our players of the week. I mean, pretty good all around, I would say, with four of us. Not so bad. Um, some fair amount of positivity. Now let's really just burn the bridges. So, um, clown of the week. I mean, this. I think this is where the level of the show really drops. So, uh, for clown of the week, I'll go first again. I guess I'll go same order. So, my clown of the week is specifically the entire Canada men's college division. So the CCAA, the entire division, for being a completely broken and dysfunctional mess of teams, play styles, systems, and it is just an absolute mess, Josh. I've now coached on two different teams in two different divisions, and it is a mixed bag, to say the least, man. Like, these teams out west here are half-decent, but with the weirdest coaching moves, the craziest play styles, nobody wants to get a serve in. Everybody's ripping spin serves. Then you go out east in Ontario, and it's guys who never even played in high school making your team duking it out. So you've got such a disparity across the country. We're trying to make a league uh, of teams, but it just doesn't make any sense, all of this. I could go on all day and nitpick 100 things about this league and about this division. And now I'm in it. I guess, again, we should express that this is the, my opinion and not those of any of our employers. But gosh, I just had to give a clown of the week. And specifically this week, Josh, it was the serving strategies of all these teams. Everybody is going out there, putting their balls on the table and just ripping like they really actually don't care about the result of the game. They just want to get an ace. And it is just shocking to me to see and thinking back, well, that's exactly what we did in college, George Brown as well. Like, uh, nobody really cares, so let's just go out there. And it's just not fun for anybody when you miss a bunch of serves and play dumb like that. So, clown of the week to the whole league. I'm putting you on notice. Do you guys use the, the molten? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of college guys brave to spin serve. Yeah, true. But that's, a, that's a hard ball to miss. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's impossible to miss long. If you miss in the net, that's... That they find a way, Pierce. They're finding a way, buddy. That's <laughs> impressive. That's... Wow. Yeah, like, so I'll use an example. Like, I'll call out my own team a little bit. I, I don't know the exact numbers, but they uh, the approximate numbers in my head. Among both teams, they do the double headers. That's the other thing, too, Josh. At West, they do the double headers. You play the same team back-to-back. -back. In Ontario, you might have a Wednesday game, and then on a Saturday, you play a completely different team. Like, it's just such a different style. Anyways... So between two teams, probably in both matches, there was an average, I'd say, of about 40 missed serves on, on the match. Like about 20 per team or more, which is just a crazy amount of missed serves from both teams in a game that you're trying to win, which just bothers me. Yeah, especially in, when you get to like the the international level where like the side percentage is 90% on, on spin serves under 100 kilometers an hour, yeah, you're going to have more error rate. But at the CCA level, you can put a free ball in and it'll probably score. Well, like, you gotta let... yeah, like it may score. You may get an ace on an easy serve. You may also get it pounded down your throat on an easy serve. But you may also have the guy pound at 10 bricks up the wall on an easy serve. You just don't know. So, like, I don't know. Like, let's be more competitive, guys. Like, you think you think down in some of these other countries where they have pro leagues and guys are doing this, that they're going out there and playing this crazily? I don't. But I guess I don't know, Josh. So, 
I don't know. Interesting. Pierce, is that a real stat? 90% under 100? It's over 80. I think 90. It's, it's between 80 and 90. It's, if you put it, it's a spin serve under 100 kilometers an hour in the men's game is side out percentage. So in, into that is more likely perfect pass as well. So they're in, they're in a four pass. And it's impossible to stop a team in a four pass, even with commit blocks in the middle, because you you have three blockers against four hitters. So, good. This is he Garrett. This is why we bring him. He brings in good stat value. So Garrett, uh, I'm 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 going to call out two people. I don't normally like to do this, but I'm just on edge because we've had so many nerdy setters talking about you know the intricacies of their position and it's so complicated and you got to distribute, you got to do all this. Oh, I'm down. So, I'm already. I don't know what it is, but I'm already down for it, Josh. RCQ started this weekend, Garrett. Uh, from Dalhousie, Quinton Dowling set one player 65 times. And you might think that player must have been on fire, Garrett. Keep feeding the hot hand. Yeah, he hit 138. He hit below his weight, but we gave him 65 attempts. That's not even the worst one, Garrett. This one goes out to Cloud of the Week to Friend of the Show. Max Loge was named Player of the Week, Garrett, because he threw up a big stat line. He had 37 kills. Well, thanks to his setter, Pierre Thibault, it took 82 attempts to get there. Max got 37 kills, but he hit 280, Garrett. This isn't like Gavin when he got 50 attempts and he had like 47 kills. This is you got, sure, you got 37 kills. I'll give him that. On 82 attempts, Garrett? Are you kidding me, Pierre? You couldn't give the ball, you couldn't get a one-on-one anywhere else? It's just like, set Max, set Max, set Max, set Max. That's not intricacies that's not strategy that's not finding the hot hand that's not setting an overload or a spread that's not doing anything that's just setting one guy the whole match and i I can't stand it garrett i can't stand these setters over hyping their position and how smart they are when 82 balls to one guy and the other team gives 65 to another guy what are we doing i'm not applauding them i'm applauding you josh this is maybe your best clown of the week of all time and i fully support it i'm here for you (laughs) i love it i need more of this josh nickel in my life I don't want to hear any of these idiots talk about setter distribution and setting up your offense again. Like, are you kidding me? 82 times? How is that possible? (laughs) It shouldn't be possible. That's every time. Like, how many attempts did the team have? 100? They set him 80% of the sets. That's incredible. I've never had anywhere near that. That's like double my highest. Jeez. Anything? You Nolan, two guys. Anything, anything to defend your position here? Uh, I mean, if, if I was on the bench as the setting coach, I would have been losing my mind. So I mean, Why? I am... Why, though? Did they win? Did they win, Josh? But it was so fun. there it is, Garrett. They won in five, so therefore he did a great it's job. It's all good. Great distribution. Great center distribution. He set the right guy. <laughs> no, in in my opinion, you you can set in like you can you can set you know the guy that's scoring for you regardless of if it takes like 80, 82 or eighty three attempts. But there's still a a right set that you can make in probably a lot of those attempts. He was going back to him, uh, but probably wasn't the correct set to make in that situation um so i do if i go back and watch the game i could probably find a lot of opportunities to spread the ball out to other places that probably would have scored as well um but are you serious are you being serious right now the guy set the guy 82 times and you're saying yeah if i went back i could probably find a few times where he could have set somebody else you think he said it 82 times nolan 
There's a difference. There's a difference between finding a time to set somebody else and finding the proper set to make in that situation. I there's see. a difference between the two. Yeah. There well, are, there are, hey. If you go back and watch it, there will be times that he set the right side just because, you know, he was in his head the hot hand. <laughs> but there were, were better setting decisions to make throughout that game, I can almost guarantee. But, you know, they ended up winning the game, so... It is what it is. I mean, man, they won. So, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Because maybe gonna they said the other guys and they hit worse. You just don't know. This is what I'm saying. This was, so this was, hold on. This was in like a U sport game. Yes. Yeah. So this is like U sports. Like they have coaching symposiums, Josh. Like they have stuff where people go in and talk about systems and stuff like this. And we're going to see matches like this. You think somebody drew that up on us on the game plan? No. Like, gosh, ah, oh, he just frustrates me so much. Josh. It was a regular season match, Garrett, and it was a doubleheader weekend. So they played Friday and Saturday. So I don't know how Max got out of bed the next day. Well, he was probably fine. 82 <laughs> sets. I mean, he's used to it. <laughs> the next night he probably got 40 and was like, ah, I'm fresh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, that's probably your best clown of the week of all time, Josh. I gotta, I gotta fully applaud that. You like, you set us up with a guy who got sixty-five sets, and then and you're probably like, whoa, that's a lot. I was like, whoa. <laughs> then you came in with eighty-two, unbelievable, eighty-two on five sets. So that's that's a lot per set. Can we do the math on that? What is that? No, it's not my strong suit. Like, do you want a ten percentage? It was two fifty-nine. Yeah, but how many? How many uh, sets did he get? See, this is this six, is why we're six, a volleyball show and not like a mathematics six, show. Sixteen point nine sets per set. That wow. that that is unfathomable. <sighs> the guy got sixteen sets a set. Are you like what? That's more than half each set. By far. That is an impressive amount of sets to have received. Yeah. We can never let a setter tell us anything about technical, <laughs> tactical, setting, distribution ever again, Josh. Especially if they could have you, a game like that. <laughs> could you imagine losing to someone and you they set someone that many times and you couldn't stop him? Well, like they, they stopped him enough. He hit 280 or something. Well, but he had 37 <laughs> kills. But, like, I'm just I, – I, I'm saying I'm – saying, like screw it, go triple him. If they score something, like make them set someone option. else. Anyone else? Yeah, it's a good option to just triple him, no matter where he is. It's I'm a great play. Basically, it just and see if he was running a thirty for separation, and if that middle continued to go try and stop the thirty-one for five sets straight. I'm gonna. Have, I need to go back credit. and watch that. You're trying to blame this on a big dumb middle, and I'm telling you, it's the setter's problem. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm also ready to blame it on a big Gronk middle, Josh, because we've been there before as well. So is it possible that both the other team's middles were like, oh, man, they just keep fooling me on this shoot-back combo. What are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> totally possible. Oh, gosh. We're only halfway through the Clowns of the Week, and this has already been a beauty. Okay, Nolan, over to you. What do you got for us, buddy? Okay, well, I hope Pierce feels bad for what he said about my uh... – my player of the week Probably because my clown Probably. my clown of the week was was to help him out a little bit so my Maybe. clown of the week 
is going to every single professional volleyball team overseas. Every single one. Because this handsome dude sitting in the corner of my screen is just chilling at home in Chatham right now. He's just chilling in Chatham. Sorry, you're talking about Chatham. Okay, yeah. Just not doing anything. He's he's not playing, not practicing with a team. And what are we doing over there? Come on. We have a, yeah, I do. a big left side attacker that's just sitting in a little farm town in Canada ready to go play some volleyball. Why are we not why are we not signing them? What is this? Man, do I feel bad now? Whew. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like you, you called him handsome too after that. Like yeah. I mean handsome left side player sitting in chat right so and this is maybe one of the largest crowds of clown of the week we've ever seen calling out an entire like every single pro team all of them like everyone not not just every team who like passed on pierce like every team like yep. that's a that's a wide net so i mean every team yeah it's your fault i mean yeah, so hold on. We don't know the background here. So, Pierce, you're looking for a contract and you're unable to find one? Nobody wants you? I was in Portugal. I had a team there, and that was oh, that was a mess. Uh, I legally signed a contract, that I can't talk too much about that. Um, but I ended up uh, dislocating my shoulder because I was playing through an injury I probably that I didn't want to. Um, right. It's luckily no muscle damage, no anything like that. So I'm rehabbing and I'm looking to head back. Uh, to a team in the next couple of weeks, but yeah, I'm just kind of waiting to hear. Garrett, imagine he gets a contract offer, and it's all because of Nolan's clown of the week, and that gave him the sharp cuts bump to put him back in the pro circuit. I mean, if that but happened, I think we I should feel really great about our show. Yes, Be- yeah. Because if the entire Alberta team is feeling hype, more hype about Nolan's player of the week than their state, and this actually bumps the moves the needle on Pierce, then. I mean, I think we should just retire. We'll never be any better than that. So, I mean, yeah, I hope that works, but I think maybe we should continue looking at other avenues if you have other irons in the fire. I don't think you should rely too heavily on this one. If let's, let's do this. If, if that happens, and if they tell me it was from the podcast, I'll buy each of you a nice bottle of whatever you like. Wow. All that's, three of you. That's an easy commitment to, to make for Pierce. I think there's no hesitation in that. In that, and <laughs> I, I mean, I'll take it. But I, it I know happen. it's not gonna happen. Uh, also, awesome, awesome, really nice. Track. You turn the clown of the week into a nice thing, Nolan, and I don't really like that. Uh, it kind of upsets me <laughs> that on our show you turn the clown of the week into like a nice thing. It's what's called sharp cuts, man. Like. What the yeah. heck? Trying to be nice. He's getting soft. Remember when we first had him on the show, he would give somebody the player of the week and then 180 it and make them the clown of the week also? Like, he, he yeah. used to cut pretty I gotta, deep. I got to keep the fans on their toes. I got to spice it up every time. I guess. Like, I mean, is the, the player of the week is really just to set everybody up and feel better about ourselves so that we're able to cut people down just, so that we mm-hmm. at least even the scales. But, gosh, it seems like you're too positive. So maybe Pierce is going to – anyway, so let's go to Pierce last – Clown of the week over to you, Pierce. Yeah, mine's gonna be uh, the uh, Italian, uh, the Italian men's league, because they've just implemented a new rule for coaches that if they coach with a national team, then that club gets a hundred thousand euro fine, because they now have a coach that's not committed to that professional team, which is, I'm gonna say, and it's, it's coach or assistant coach, and that is a majority of the coaches in that league. 
And then there's also fines, extra fines that can go up to 20,000 euros that if coaches miss league games for international events. So like what would have happened with the women's world championships for women's coaches? Now that wasn't the men's, but if that was to happen with the men's, that would be a 20,000 euro fine. Sorry, wow. I'm confused. They, the league implemented a massive fine for the club, like not the, not the individual, for the club. No. If the club has a coach who coaches with their national team? That coaches with any national team. Yeah, like Pierce, is it not fair to say that Italy probably has the most coaches? Like it's not unusual for like the Finnish team to be coached by an Italian cat or like our women's team was once coached by an Italian dude. So like they, they go around the world coaching other federations. Yeah, there's there's the Slovenian national coach, the, the now the French national coach, that was the German national coach before that. Um, and then there's a bunch of assistant coaches on that as well. Like it's, it's pretty big, and it's like the, the the clubs are trying to fight it, from what I'm reading, because it's it's a pretty stupid rule. It's almost it's almost as bad as how Canadian volleyballs ran, but just in the professional <laughs> league in Italy. But that that is a a very very strange rule because you'd think that kind of a top tier coach who coaches with a national team would kind of raise the echelon of your pro league and actually help your league, even if they miss some games, it's kind of a story to tell, it kind of brings in the eyes, people kind of understand there's that name value. But what it also maybe seems like to me is if you're a, a, a league based solely in a country, so it's the Italian league, right? They don't go to other countries, it's just in Italy. What that might do though, is if you make it hard for teams to have coaches who coach national teams, it might make it easier to have coaches who don't coach national teams who are Italian and who are local. And so maybe they've been working with their national federation and be like, hey, let's get some of our coaches into our league so we can make this a little bit more domestic. Um, is the only logical, that's the only reason I could think that the, the league might want to do something like that. Do you not think it's just like, that's just like pushing potential worse coaches into the league though? Like you're, you're now making it so that like these high level coaches that are good enough to run a national team aren't going to want to coach in that league anymore because they still want to coach pro, but they also want to do the national team. So you're potentially pushing out the best coaches of that are in your league away from your league, like for good. I agree. And that's what I'm saying. Maybe they just don't care. Yeah. And then like, if you take the hypothetical, like all the way down, you take you get like worse coaches which could equal worse teams which could equal worse volleyball and then people not wanting to go watch it and then you're driving down revenue because there's less people watching it because the volleyball's worse seems like a s very stupid decision this might I mean, actually help settle the argument of how much does a coach do because let's say all these these uh, international coaches they don't return to the Italian league and maybe they go to another country's league if that international or the domestic league all of a sudden improves can you say like oh that we got better coaches now we have better systems now we do stuff or if the Italian league still stays like the most competitive and the most interesting maybe it proves that we're not that valuable Garrett no coaches aren't that valuable Josh <laughs> and I'm reminded of that like every time I step out there it doesn't matter what I do or say it's not you have very little impact I'm gonna go ahead and disagree with that one at uh where you guys coach in Canada 
But in the international level, once you get to like the professional level, they matter less. I'll I'll give you that. Then, but like to comparative to what you guys matter to the to the players, it's different. Yeah. Okay. So let's take out recruiting though, because recruiting is a huge piece where the coach makes a massive difference, a absolutely massive difference. If you take out that, then I, I don't I don't really see a huge uh, difference. And it's funny because it was the kind of topic I was hoping to get into with you guys. Um, so it's a really great segue. <laughs> but I should, I, should re- I should go back and I should kind of rephrase what I said. It depends where you go in Canada. There are, I, and I help with recruiting with Windsor still. And Nolan's a big part of recruiting. He leads recruiting at Windsor. If I ever talk to a kid, I tell him, if you want to get better at volleyball and you're going to school to play volleyball and get an education, you can go to these schools and there's, I can count them on my hand, in Ontario anyways that you will go and you will get better at volleyball. Now, if you want your education, fine, go to your education, that's important. But if you actually want to get better at volleyball, there's only a handful of schools you can go to because the, the coaching just isn't there or the coaching turnover is just so big, you, you, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, I totally agree. I didn't get any better at volleyball in my time at Western. I, you know, I got no better. There was no improvement over my four years. I just was the same okay. as I, I left as I went in. You can make that just so. Just so the viewers were uh, weren't confused, Western was not on the list. Just no, I yeah. think I think they understood that. I think they they okay. they, they were with me on that one. Well, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the reason why I wanted to talk about this topic actually, so it's an excellent segue, is because I had an experience over the weekend where we were playing a team, and I don't want to name names necessarily because I don't think it's good or bad, clown or player of the week worthy, but it was just very interesting to me where you know you had a coach who did things on the other side just very differently than I'd ever seen other coaches do. They had a strange lineup. They kind of shared the passing responsibility amongst a number of different players. They stacked up in strange ways. Um, And the timeouts as well. This coach would call timeouts like after their team would score points, which was immediately very weird. That's never anything I've seen. Um, Or like on game point, like we call a timeout at 24, like when it's like 24 19 or something like just just for the sake of it uh, and it was very weird to see but what also was interesting was how little it made a difference on the outcome of the game it was still a battle it was still teams going at it didn't really seem to massively hurt or help either team doing those different moves differently than i've seen coaches do it so kind of made me think like we talk about all this stuff all the time but does it really does it really matter in, in the end when it comes to competition? And I, I was a little bit humbled. I was like, disappointed. I, damn, like, spent all my life doing this. Like, is it really making a difference? Hmm. Everyone's thinking back and going, no, no, it really doesn't. <laughs> it's just pure bias by me as a coach, and it's all anecdotal evidence. But I think calling a timeout at, like, 24-19 is a waste, Garrett. I think there was damage to be done earlier where you could have, like, stopped that gap where – I don't know. You, you may have swayed me. We're kind of like, does any timeout really make a difference? I, d- so, I don't know. Sorry, Josh. Sorry, Josh. Up 24-19. They called a timeout. They were up 24-19. Were you guys like, did you score like four in a row or something? Or nope. Three in a row? And, nope. It's oh. 23-19. They sided out, called a timeout. Oh, well, then with the context there, uh, yeah, I don't know what they were doing. But if I was in the audience, I'd be annoyed that you're not wasting my time. Yeah. I'm sorry. They, they sided out, and now it's their serving. I have legit. I'm. I looked it up. Capilano coach. That is the worst coaching decision I may have ever heard. Like, 
I wanted to avoid. I wanted to avoid naming names, and Pierce went out because he had to. He had to I find had, it. I, I, and I wasn't. I was just. I wanted it for my own peace of mind. But then I heard that, and that's got to be the clown of the week. I'm sorry. I, I got to change that. Well, it would have been clown of the week, but it didn't really make a difference. But you like yeah, because your player did something. But like you are a clown for that. <laughs> Do you think it had a had potential to make a difference? Like if it wasn't like if we take the the twenty four, like the fact that they were just about to end the set. If the if he called a timeout after his team won a point at like nine eight, like eight eight, they went up nine eight, and he called it. So that something similar happened too. Like this is what I'm talking about: timeouts at weird moments where they side out or earn a point and then call a timeout on their side, right? Which is yeah. like, I mean, I'm sure there's a reason for it. I would never do it. I think it's very weird. I would want to use my timeouts in a way that I feel like is smarter and more useful. But mm. when you just watch it and you see nothing really come of it either way, it kind of dampened my spirits on how smart I think I really am. Like, I feel like I'm making the right moves, but if nothing happens out of it, then was it really the right move? But this is also the issue with when you compare, like, in, volley- in volleyball, in Canada sense, we're on the, I would say, the higher knowledge level of how to play volleyball properly compared to the average person. Because when you, But when you go to the lower levels of volleyball, you see the wildest stuff like that. One time I was in a tournament in high school, I got called by a ref for jumping too far into the court on my spin serve. Not that I had yeah. foot faulted. No, that's and illegal. So people just, that's yeah, illegal. So people just don't actually understand the rules of volleyball. And you can't, and you can't talk to them. Like, like I had a, I don't know, OUA ref told our set, our other setter at Windsor, Anthony DiGirolamo, that he couldn't dump a ball with two hands. He couldn't, he couldn't turn to the net and, and flush it down. He said, you can't do that in volleyball. And he called, he called him on a lift. It's just, people just don't understand the rules properly. And that's, that's the issue. I was called on a double once for one hand setting. Yeah, well, we're getting into refs now, and refs, like, should know the rules, and the expectation is that they know the rules, and when they don't, it's clear that they're doing a bad job. That's that's very cut and dry. Like, interpretation aside, like, you made a bad call, you don't know the rule, if you get evaluated, it's going to reflect badly on you. But a coach, if you make a terrible coaching move, and you win, and it works, was it a bad coaching move? But is, it, is that not the same thing as if a ref makes a bad call and then that team still wins even though the call went against them? You're doing your job improperly. Either the coach is doing the job improperly or the ref's doing the job improperly. You just don't understand the game well enough. And my whole point is, maybe the hottest take ever, they should just be banned from volleyball. They shouldn't be allowed to play. This, is, this sport isn't for everyone. Just kick them out. Okay, so if you make a bad enough mistake, Pierce is going to ban you from volleyball for life. Just get walked out of the gym. A lifetime ban from volleyball. How would they enforce that? I mean, I'm sure that somebody has done bad enough stuff to warrant that and still not gotten that. So, yeah, I don't know. It made me think. I'm not trying to argue on that side because I think it was a clown move as well. Like, I I think it's very weird. Like, I think there's a lot of things you can do to help your team. But I also thought, like, well, what the hell do I know in some ways, right? What would classify a bad coaching decision if it ends up working? Right. Like, how, do you, how do you classify it as a bad coaching decision if you don't know the outcome until after it happens? Right. 
like but there's there's using statistically probable like situations where like hey this this might have a, have a 50 50 chance of working and then you that's that's the worst case scenario where like you you have to pick one and you you don't know what's what one's gonna work and you, you mean like the trunk when you got to set sorry like the trend game that you got to set yeah i got to set in a game and that was uh, probably a bad call I'm, I, <laughs> I can live with that one i probably should never be allowed to set a volleyball even though i play volleyball just let me hit the ball. Okay. Um, I, I agree with that statement full heartedly. But there's the co- then there, there's coaching situations where there's the right thing to do, and then there's the the action of not doing anything, which is still better than doing the opposite of that and making the total egregious thing and calling a timeout when your team's serving at twenty four nineteen. What was the other point you brought up? Like the stacking, where like. Pierce and Gary, you guys are both receivers. Would you find it uncomfortable that you weren't passing in every rotation? Like, I'm trying to, like, see what the other side is or, like, why do we do things a certain way? And I think it's just easier to have a clear responsibility that your libero and two left sides go back and serve receive and you get into rhythm where, uh, I don't know, how much different stacking or, like, obviously they were bringing in the right side. Like, what were they were doing, Garrett? Yeah, like, I, I they would stack in interesting ways that I can't even articulate right now. And maybe it's just to confuse people like me. Like maybe that's part of it. It's like, it's not that big enough change that it changes the whole thing. You have the same guys passing, you bring your right side in. Maybe you're going to do that anyways. And now you just stack up in a weird way to make me confused. Like maybe, but. Did they they W pass? No. (laughs) Oh, no. W or a cup. I'd respect somebody to have the balls to go out there and go straight W or like even a cup or something. Like, like a hey, 6-2 cup receive? In, yeah, in like, hey, it looks, yeah, yeah, hey, I mean, go for it. Like, whatever. Like, if you're going to pass well, who cares, right? Like, I, I do what you got to do. But, uh, yeah, go there's for it. Always a case, there's always a case to, like, where, you know, your left side's really good. Like, we did this at Windsor. Like, I was um, a better, like, C-ball hitter. So, our we had our... our um, our back row right side would come in and hit a pipe. I'd hit a C ball. I would still pass in the serve receive, but then we'd run different stuff out of it. And then sometimes we'd do a two man pass instead of that. So like neither of us are passing. So there's ways you can change it up. But right. It, and it those makes- things are clear. You can, my volleyball mind can look at it and go, I get what's happening here. I get why they're doing that. Watch for these hit. Like as an opponent, as I'm trying to like take it apart, I say, okay, here's what they're trying to do. Here's what they're running. But when you do something in a way that seems to me suboptimal, where you like bring your right side out, you pinch maybe a left side out in a in a way that doesn't allow them to be offensive in any way, um, you know, just kind of interesting rotations that looked different um, and that were I don't know maybe we're out of rotation sometimes. Like I, I don't fully know, but like um, it, it I, <laughs> I don't I, you look at it and you can't tell exactly why they're doing it maybe there's a reason but it didn't change things that much but like maybe it was because i was only looking for opportunities to like exploit it but for me as a receiver like if i was ever not passing i was never not passing i was like no i'm taking half the court forget that like um but if i'm stacked up and there's guys like stacked up like beside behind me like around me in my passing space that made me uncomfortable because if the serve goes there, the guy's in my way. So, like, as a coach, in my lineup, I'd be trying to avoid that as much as possible. Because, like, a team could just pop a serve in there, and it's immediately a tough serve just because there's a bunch of people there. Not because it was a good serve. So, I don't know. Maybe they just, 
if you've never burned on something, you're never punished for something, maybe you just keep doing it because it works for you. I don't know. And you said they won that game? That they did that? That you watched? Well, we won both matches, but they were battles. It was intense games. Sets won on both sides. So it wasn't like, you know, you're hurting. But they lost. Yeah. Lost the match. Yeah. Get him out of there. I don't know if, like, that's the other thing, too, that kind of made me sad. Is like, you don't see any of these kind of interesting coaching moves really much at all in our leagues. Because you just see everybody trying to do basically the same thing. Uh, yeah, trying to get better and trying to emulate teams who are good, but never doing anything really weird that kind of turns things on its head, which I would love to see a coach go out there and just mix it up completely. Run their offense out of three and a half. Or, I don't know. That Even a 6-2 awesome. is pretty rare. Recruit five lefties and run your offense with a right-hand center out of four. That. Although, to be fair, I will, I will say that even as a setter, like setting that way is like is super difficult and weird. It's only we weird because you never did it. Yeah, hundred percent. So if you take someone young enough and get them going from there, like it'll be fine. But like having to like make your le- your left hand your your steady hand across the net kind of thing to like not let the ball drift too tight. Because we did that a couple times when Pierce, like you know, Pierce would go. We would swap when I was fire in the front up. row. Yeah, you fire would, Nobody yeah, fires up these days, by the way. Nobody no. does that. I mean, we did it for four years. They're all above six feet. All these guys. So, but yeah, just trying to like we tried it sometimes that you know the dig would happen and I would go from my blocking position to two and a half and still set just with no right side. I had like an A ball a middle and a right side and my right side and I wouldn't have a left side. But then we also tried the occasional time of me staying at three and a half and setting across the net that way. And like my A ball became like my C ball pretty much. And then, you know, the yeah, rest but that's of the really, that's really the not way, that was, weird, right? Like even that is pretty rare. People don't do that. No, often, yeah, so yeah. it's rare for sure, but it's not that weird, right? Like you make no. a calculated adjustment, but like something really, really weird, like, I, I don't even know it because my brain is so conditioned to do things a certain way, right? Like, I don't know, a different okay, passing lineup. Why do we do three-player pass? Like, why is that what we do? Like, I got, I got one for you here. Why doesn't the libero just set and have more attackers now? Pass the ball the attack line. He can, he can jump set in, like, in the air into the attack line, run his offense out of there, and then you have two right sides, Two left sides and two middles. Would you take? Would you move your lib to position one so he can fire the thirty from from behind the attack line? You can move the lib wherever you, you you can you can move the lib wherever you want, I guess. But you then you're just having a right side that's a little better passer, or you can just do a two man pass and not have the libero be a passer. Yeah, I mean, like you definitely could do that. Why nobody does that? I don't know. With the libero, like that's what I'm saying. Nobody's gotten really competitive and had a team where that that could work for that team. And they've tried it because they're losing otherwise. They're not good enough to just do the status quo. So that that's the thing that bugs me and why I love the clown of the week by Josh this week is because like, is nobody out there sick enough at losing trying to be better in the same way than everybody else enough to try something crazily different? So that's why as much as I thought this coach doing the weird moves was like a clown moving is crazy, the more I thought about it, I thought, well, you know what? 
if you're not going to win doing the standard thing anyway, who cares how you lose? Would is kind of a way you could look at it. Do you know yeah. what that that's going to go back to though? Is is the coaches are going to get fired? Well, in a pro league, in a pro league, they're going to get fired at university or college. Maybe not. Maybe Probably. not. But I mean, Probably. if you look at our, if you look at our national team, and I'm not I'm not going to say whether actually I'm 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 on both sides. I, I don't like the the move of the firing, but I also don't hate the move of the firing either. I'm on both sides of it because it wasn't great to have a one one year interim coach and then fire him in a in a shortened quad for the Olympics. But he reinvented the wheel a bit and was doing some questionable stuff, and they fired him. Yeah, I mean, hey. Like, if you're going to go down, go down swinging. Yeah. I don't know. Like, as a coach, <laughs> you understand that your career is this. Like, your career, you've decided that your career is going to be that. So, like, I don't know. Like, if it were me and I go and I have a bad team, I have a limited window. If I don't win in two years, say, then I'm going to be – they're going to be looking at me. Well, shoot, I got to try what I can, you know, to get it done. And the fact that, like, I bet you'd see more weird stuff like that in other countries, in other cultures where it's a little bit – more accepted to do things a little, like we're in Canadian volleyball culture. I feel like it's like you see something, some someone do something a little bit different. And it's kind of like, whoa, what's going on there? Like even in the U.S. and serving styles, Josh, I know you hate their development system, but you go down and play a tournament in the States and you'll see guys and girls who have like four or five different types of serves who can do a variety of serves. They'll do a hybrid, they'll do a jump, spin, jump, float. They'll do some weird sidewinder serve like Maybe it's not optimal, but at one point in their career, maybe it worked for them and was good for them. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with that one too and go a little more to Josh's style. That ball they use is a joke. The moldy, <laughs> you you can do any. I think it's a great development ball. I, I think it is good for kids to use. I think the kids should use it at the the. I think until like the 16 u age in OBA and like the younger level because it teaches you. If you do the right technical aspect with the ball, if you put proper tops on the ball, you get good rewards from it. And then when they go to the Mikasa, the actual, you know, a real volleyball, have volleyball played, um, then you, 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 you have the proper technique now and you're not just muscling the ball, which you can do with the Mikasa at 14 you. But to the other hand, it, anyone can look good with the mold, which is why college volleyball guys can rip 115 spin serves consistently. But... When's the last time like a huge college player made it? Huge? Like it's, it's it's rare in between. I agree. Compa- comparatively to to U sports, I should say, well, and there are obviously there are very good players that have made it out. Like I was playing with Jerome Cross in Portugal. Like he's an amazing outside, uh, or sorry, opposite. But like there there's not that many. Yeah. Well, if you're ready to agree with Josh. On a, on a clown of the week of his, then I mean I think we've I think we've come full circle and Josh has earned the final word. Josh, what are you going to leave us and the viewers with? We've covered a lot this episode. We've called some people out. It's been a sharp cuts episode. I mean, if you like, if you want sharp cuts, you get it on this episode. So what's the final thing, Josh, that we're going to leave our it's- listeners with as they end this episode? 
It, it's a bit of a cliffhanger, Garrett. I can't wait for more information on the Ben Josephson release to come out so we can have Pierce and Nolan back on the show and just fight for an hour straight because I cannot disagree with these clowns more about was it a good decision, was it a bad decision? It was a terrible decision, and I would like some more facts before we butt heads on that. So stay tuned, listeners. This might be coming up sooner than you think. Okay. Interesting. I would, never, who, knows? I would, who knows? I would love to be back on to talk about this because... Okay. I'm going to maybe... Love- I'm, dear listener, I'm going to maybe cut it here and just see if these guys... I'm just keep recording, though, to see if these guys go off on each other for the next hour. Stay tuned. Um, but, unfortunately, everyone's sick of listening to us, so we got to cut it there. So, thank you guys so much for joining us. You guys came prepared this time, and I'm impressed. I mean, you guys know the drill. Thanks for coming back and being third on Josh's list is nothing to be ashamed of. Um, you had the players of the week, the clowns of the week, topics. You guys are ready to go. So, A-plus a quality guests. So, thank you guys for joining us. Josh, it's a pleasure as always. And thank you, listener. If you're still listening, thank you so much. Hit us up on YouTube, the podcast, five stars, subscribe. And hit us up in the comments because we like to hear from you. Josh doesn't post on Instagram anymore, apparently. So send us your comments or just text Josh directly. One of these days, I'm just going to put your number out on these episodes, Josh. You're going to have a million texts. Oh, oh, hey, whoa. Right. A million, four. Four a from million, unknown A numbers. million texts from all the listeners. <laughs> but thank you guys so much for listening. And we hope to see you next time.